Karlsson, Karlsson, världens bästa Karlsson. Karlsson, Karlsson, hoj här kommer Karlsson. Karlsson, Karlsson, ingen faktiskt, ingen annan Karlsson vill jag så bra som mig. Karlsson, Karlsson, Karlsson scores! Karlsson, Karlsson, världens bästa Karlsson. The longest running fantasy hockey podcast in the world hosted by two guys who were looking for a spreadsheet of the default Yahoo rankings. So I asked on Discord for, for, to the patrons and I said, does anyone have a spreadsheet of the default Yahoo rankings by any chance? Then professional slacker answered, have you looked in the trash? Yikes. Uh, anyways, that's my intro joke. I'm your host, Dylan Dubrovsky. And with me to talk all about the default Yahoo rankings and how you could take advantage of them to be successful in your Yahoo snake drafts, it's my very good friend, my co-host, the fantasy hockey robot, the Poobah prognostication, the IPP MVP himself. It's Brian Com. Welcome to the show, Brian. Hello, Elon. Hello, everybody. And hello, professional slacker on our Discord server who actually came up with the joke that you then repurposed for the intro. It was a great moment in our Discord server last week. It made the highlight reel. Uh, I loved it. I laughed out loud. And now we're here to laugh out loud together at the Yahoo rankings. And you might be saying, what's the point in this? Like, we know that the Yahoo suggestions are bogus and nonsense and the rankings are kind of messed up and you've got to do your homework. Well, here's the thing. We're here to do some of that homework for you. We know that we can't trust the Yahoo rankings. So let's try and sift through it and figure out which parts of the rankings are uh, some of the softest parts and which players are hiding way down the draft sheet and which ones you might get stuck with uh, way too early if you end up auto-drafting or not paying close enough attention. That's why we're here, to help you get your Yahoo draft rankings in orders because so many people draft on Yahoo. You only have 30 seconds in a lot of drafts. You got to make quick decisions. We're here to prep you for those moments where you're like, that guy shouldn't be there. Or where is that guy? <laughs> yeah, exactly. And also, uh, oftentimes, if you're drafting against people who don't listen to Keeping Carlson, you could take advantage of the fact that a player is late. You know, oh, maybe I don't have to draft. Oh, no, let me find a, a name here really quickly. Maybe I don't have to draft uh, Yanni Gourd like early. I'll wait until the very last round if I want to get him as a depth guy because Yahoo has him ranked 427 and no one else is going to think about him unless they listen to this because who's scrolling that far? So yeah, it's always fun to go through this, see what Yahoo came up with and then see what we can mine. Also, it's just a fun opportunity for Brian and I to have a good time, talk about some more players because, you know, we're getting to the point in the preseason where I feel like we've talked about every player multiple times. So part of this will be going through and, you know, finding interesting players that are ranked. And I also, I tried to pick out some players we haven't talked about so much recently. But obviously, we're going to start with Huberdo, Kachuk, and Gaudreau, because we have to talk about them in every preseason episode, because they're the most interesting people from this summer. But before we get into all of that, of course, let's first mention Keeping Carlson, very proudly presented by DauberHockey.com. They've got their guide out there. If you haven't had your draft yet, then go get the Dauber Hockey Guide. It's going to help you. They've got projections. They've got articles. They've got for every team, you know, predictions of the line combos and who's going to be on the power play. It's great. Okay, so check it out. Dauber Hockey and, of course, Frozen Tools already now showing those line combinations for preseason games. Where are you going to find that? I don't know. 
know. But uh, I really love it, and I use it all the time. So that's DauberHockey.com, Frozen Tools, all that good stuff. Uh, with that, Brian, I don't know. What else should I say? We're in the middle of our couple drafts. I feel like uh, they're probably going to – well, they have to wrap up this week. So good luck to everyone in your drafts. Hope that people are having fun and doing well. And, of course, uh, thanks to all the co-commissioners who, who have kept everything running smoothly as we barrel towards the start of the season. Brian, next week – you and I are going to be recording from very different situations. I'm going to be doing the tier one auction draft, which I'm very nervous for. And I have a lot of prep to do. I just booked Friday off of work in order to prepare my spreadsheet of auction values. And you're going to be hosting like this four hour plus show. I know you've got a special guest from our friends at Dover Hockey. Michael Clifford is joining, I believe. Is that correct? That's correct. He's booked again. Michael, only my mom calls me Michael Clifford, is going to be with us for what's an annual incredible episode and basically what becomes a guidebook for how to auction draft for fantasy hockey. Uh, I'm excited. I've got to like, I'm going to rest my voice. I'm not going to speak at all between now and that episode just so I can be ready. Or maybe I should be speaking more to train myself. Either way, it's going to be an incredible episode. And yeah, Elon, as you mentioned, I just want to put a number to it. We have over 600 managers drafting in the Cupful, the Keeping Carlson Ultimate Patron Fantasy League right now. We are still going to open new divisions. If you haven't joined yet and we can fill a new one, kkupfl.com for all the info. All right. But with that, Brian, let's get started because we have 1,900 players Ranked by Yahoo. Actually, it's 1957 to be exact. So let's just talk about them one at a time. Number one, Connor McDavid. I think that's a pretty decent ranking. No, okay. We'll obviously just pick out the interesting ones. Here's what I did to prepare for this. I, I downloaded the Yahoo rankings, put them in a spreadsheet. Then I decided to find the free projections that I like the best. And those belong to Scott Cullen. He always has great projections every year. Uh, so I downloaded the Scott Cullen projections. I'm going to share all this, by the way, with the patrons after the show, okay? Or I already did actually share this with the patrons, but I'll share it again for the people who didn't see it in the uh, Excel spreadsheet channel. Uh, so anyways, then I downloaded the Scott Cullen projections. Then I, with the Scott Cullen projections, I generated a player ranking based on the Cupful scoring system, which is a pretty solid system, I think. We, we, you know, we give a lot of points for goals and assists, more for goals than assists. Then you get some extra points for shots and hits and blocks, and then goalies. I will go through the whole scoring system, but we've worked hard and we think it's good. I think it's a pretty good, it's not the, sta- we're not counting plus minus. Okay, we're not counting PIMS. So maybe if Yahoo rankings are taking those into account, that would be a reason why they'd be different. Uh, but yeah, anyway, so then, so for Scott Cullen, I've got a ranking, and then I've got also a ranking per position, because Yahoo rankings are kind of odd in that around the 200 mark, they just drop, or it was a 300 mark, they just drop like every goalie. So all of a sudden, like, uh, let me see here. So the you've got Alex Iafalo, a 296, and then the next forward is... Brandon Saad at 399. So it's not that Yahoo maybe thinks that Brandon Saad is like so, so much worse than Alex I follow, or maybe they do, but it's just like, so I just wanted to compare apples to apples. So I've got now the Yahoo ranking for each position, and then I've got the Scott Cullen ranking for each position. And so then I just, uh, using that I in my spreadsheet, I was able to like sort of highlight where the big differences are. And then obviously then we'll use, Brian and I will use our personal opinions as we go through and discuss who we think really stands out as being too high or too low. So I go down the list. Yeah, McDavid, Dreisaitl, Matthews, McKinnon, I think they did pretty good at the start. No, no big surprises. Uh, they get a couple goalies there at 10 and 11, Vasilevsky and Shostyorkin, uh, which hard to argue. Maybe, you know, you could debate, should you take a goalie that high? But whatever. Those are the two best goalies. Brian and I agreed with that on Schmore Goalies Board. Then number 12. So after only McDavid, Drysaddle, Matthews, McKinnon, Makar, Kaprizov, Ranton, and Kucherov, and then those two goalies, Jonathan Huberdeau 
ranks in next at 12, which I guess makes sense based on his point totals last year. We've already talked about him a ton. Then after that, uh, you have Barkov, Hedman, Ovechkin, Fox, who are all good picks. And then like Matthew Kachuk comes in, then there's Crosby, then there's Johnny Gaudreau. So all three of these key pieces that either move to or away from Calgary make it into the top 13 skaters, or no, top 13 forwards ranked. And I think all three of them are too high. And I know we've talked about it a lot already. I feel like all three of them are probably going to have their numbers go down a bit next year. Uh, so, Brian, what do you think? Would you be drafting Huberdo, Kachuk, or Goudreau in this like top 13 of forwards like Yahoo has them? No, I don't think so. I like Huberdo's the closest one that I would go to, but we always put flags on these guys who have changed teams. If you've been listening to us at all as we ramp up for the season, it's always you know, you never want to put too much stock into a player before they've actually played with the team they're about to play with. A lot there's a lot of chemistry, line, coaching, unknown system differences. There's a lot of adjustments, living, like finding a comfortable home, like these Human things also take a toll. Uh, We rarely see a player move cities and pick up right where they left off, uh, wherever they're coming from. So not to say Hubert Okachuk and Goudreau can't be as good as they were in their prior home, but they all had incredible seasons that I think were all a perfect storm of circumstances for each of them. Uh, And for them to be in completely new places erases that perfect storm. So they'll need another perfect storm to, to come on. But as as our cupful ADPs show, uh, none of these guys are worth drafting, in my opinion, quite as high as they're, as they're shown. Like I might go, you know, Huberto is, you know, borderline first round. Uh, Kachuk is up there, but I don't think he's going to do quite as well. He's actually the one uh, who's being drafted in like a cupful uh, almost exactly where he's ranked. <laughs> on Yahoo uh, at 16. Overall, that's not his position rank. That's his overall rank. And then Goudreau also, uh, yeah, picking him top top 20. I mean, hell of a season last year. If he had done that three seasons in a row, easy, no problem. But he hasn't. He's with a new team. So I am not really that willing to take him uh, that early in the cupful. He's going uh, mid-late third round. Okay, I mean, late third round, I'll take Gaudreau. Like, obviously, here, Yahoo has him uh, in the, uh, like, top first round or second round, at least in terms of forwards. Uh, but yeah, like, third round, obviously, I'll take a shot on Gaudreau. I think playing with Line is going to be good. I don't think he's, like, going to be garbage or anything, but just, like, you know, this high ahead of, like, Steven Stamkos and Kyle Connor. I don't know about that, Jake Gensel. But uh, uh, speaking of Matthew Kachuk, I want to just throw out there that we've got some preseason lines that I'll be mentioning a bit throughout the show. I, like, it's literally been, like, two days of preseason games, so uh, we are all very aware that we shouldn't be overreacting, and this could easily change. But just to throw it out there, David Dwork tweeted how uh, the Panthers started camp with Barkov centering Verhage and Reinhardt. That was the top line to start things off. Who does that leave Matthew Kachuk to play with, right? It's like, I don't know, Lundell and... Duclair, or I don't, you know, obviously there could be a lot of combinations, but definitely those big three, or specifically the big two, right? Barkov and Reinhardt, you know, Huberto's gone. I guess Sam Bennett could be there on the second line. Like, you know, it's just like seems like it's not going to be, it's not going to be Gaudreau and Lindholm, anyways. I know that for sure. So if that sticks, that would also be a reason for me to be a little bit concerned that Matthew Kachuk probably won't be an 100 point player. But of course, you know, things can change very quickly. It could be like two games into the season, all of a sudden he's back with Barkov. Well, not back with Barkov, start, gets to get a chance with Barkov. 
Yeah, let's not get too deep into preseason line combos. Like, especially, we're not even in pre, we're barely in preseason. These are early training camp. These are guys like meeting, playing together for the first time. So let's, uh, yeah, let's take a beat. I'm not going to read too much. I'm not asking you to. I just want to let the listeners know. All right. About this info. You could also be following at Game Day Lines if you want to subject yourself to this mind game of deciding how much you want to read into things. But I find it interesting. Anyways, and obviously sometimes, you know, when Verhaggy first started playing with Barkov, that was a couple seasons ago in training camp. And we on this podcast were probably like, yeah, don't read much into it. Like he's Carter Verhaggy. I'm sure he's not going to stick on the top line. And now here he is two seasons later. So obviously sometimes this does tell us what's going to happen. It's just not a a guarantee. But anyways, Brian, next up, let's go to the next pick that I think seems out of place over... uh, 21st ranked over on Yahoo, uh, JT Miller ahead of Stamkos, Panarin, like Zibanejad, Kyle Connor. And I, I don't know if it's wrong, but I, I wanted to get your take on JT Miller, who obviously had this amazing season last year uh, 99 points in 80 games, 101 point pace. Uh, then uh, he got this nice contract extension. He's now going to be a Canuck. I guess for life, right? He's signed for like seven years, six years after next year. So he's going to get paid that 5.25 AAV like next year and then six years at 8 million. And he's already a 29-year-old. I mean, I like what JT Miller did. We've been seeing also, even before camp, we were getting quotes from Boudreaux saying that, (laughs) Boudreaux, I'm saying Boudreaux like uh, Goudreau. I hope people don't mind. But yeah, we've been getting quotes saying that they're going to maybe run three centers. I know this was a whole hullabaloo last offseason. Then JT Miller goes off and has like this amazing run. Like it almost makes me think like you know last offseason we were talking about oh no i'm worried about jt miller being the third line center how good is he going to do now i just wonder if just like whatever line jt miller's on is the top line but i know but anyway uh, all that to say i'm not too worried about that but i do worry a little bit that 101 point pace jt miller may be a little bit of a mirage considering before that he had never paced above like 86 and even that was still like obviously he's taken off since he's been a canuck but that's still been around like an 85 ish point player which i don't think would rank him this high like the 15th forward uh using the scott cullen rankings or scott cullen projections for the cupful settings he's the 25th ranked forward as opposed to the 15th ranked forward on yahoo so i don't know if it's me i'm not taking miller ahead of stamkos or panarin or kyle connor so uh i don't know i'm just curious to get your take on how much you believe in what miller did last year because i'm not I, I, i believe in it but just i don't know if i do this much I am a believer in what Miller did last season. And it actually, what he did was almost entirely on the power play is what like vaulted him up over a hundred point pace and all the way up to 99 points in 80 games, 38 power play points for JT Miller. Uh, and he did that while being a bit more of an active shooter than he'd ever been on the power play before um, being as involved as he'd been the last couple of years, but basically just being on a power play that was having a lot of success. They were shooting 18%, which is the most, uh, the, the most successful shooting percentage the Canucks have had with Miller on the ice since Miller joined the team. And uh, I, I don't think it's unreasonable to think that he can do this all over again. Uh, he was a really key part of it. I, and again, like we're talking, even strength is the concern where if the Canucks run three centers, maybe he's on a line with one good winger or half a good winger. That to me is a legitimate concern. And that is Elon, why I would prefer someone really steady that I can set my watch to like Stamkos, like Panarin, 
like Zivanejad, uh, like some of those are, you know, the next names below him on the Yahoo rankings, like going even further down, Pasternak, Landeskog, Gensel. I'd prefer all these guys because there's fewer question marks about how they're going to get their points than JT Miller. Um, and I'm not, I'm not a hundred, like, I don't see so much reason for regression for Miller, but I also am not a hundred percent sure he'll sustain. It's really funny, Elon, to see like JT Miller, Matt Zuccarello, and Chris Kreider, like these three guys who had sort of been like pretty good New York Rangers, but nothing, nothing like over and above, no one to get super excited about, just all bust out at the same time. And I wonder if they all could have done this with the Rangers when they were all on the squad together a few years back. Um, but I, I'm with you. JT Miller, I think, is justifiable as a 90 plus point player, but I still am just. I haven't seen him do it often enough to put him in the same kind of tier as I would those other names I mentioned, which is why, while I think he could very well earn that draft spot, is not uh, is not my first choice to take if I'm drafting from that spot. Yeah, I, I think we're basically on the same page here. And maybe I'm on the same page as Yahoo because maybe they're counting something. Like, he's really good for peripheral. So depending on your league, maybe he's ranked higher than he would be in Kukupful. Uh, another uh, set of lines to overreact to. Uh, the Canucks have been running uh, Pedersen with Andre Kuzmenko, who we'll talk about like at the very end of part two of this show, and Ilya Mikhaev, uh, leaving JT Miller to play with Brock Besser and I believe Tanner Pearson. Again, this is like lines and groups for day one of training camp. But I know a lot of people are getting excited about uh, Pedersen playing with both Mikhaev and Kuzmenko, specifically Kuzmenko. So uh, that's definitely something I'm going to be watching with interest and obviously also following where uh, JT Miller ends up. All right, going down this list, uh, okay, we get to, uh, like, so we, we said a bunch of these guys. Chris Kreider comes in shortly after Miller, after uh, Stamkos and Panarin, before Zabanjad and Connor. I mean, we've talked Kreider to death. I don't want to dive into him again. Seems like what he did last season was probably unsustainable. Still probably going to be really good, but I'd still rather have those other guys. Then we get to a name that I really want to dive into for the opposite reason. David Pasternak, all the way down at 28th ranked on Yahoo, uh, 22nd forward. Scott Cullen would have him with settings as the sixth forward he should be going as a first round guy i've noticed in our uh couple drafts uh pasternak has been falling to late first round i i mean i'm doing an auction draft i don't know how the rest of tier one is going to feel about pasternak but i'd love if i could have like 12th or 13th pick and get pasternak with that pick and still get another guy right afterwards i'd love it like i'm curious to get your take on obviously pasternak missed some time last year with injury and i recall he was really slow at the start but he like took off for the second half of the season when he started playing with taylor hall for some reason it was like helpful for him i guess to get away from the top line or maybe just whatever to shake things up and by the way when i say he was slow to start the year i'm talking like 20 like 38 points in 40 games you know so still like basically a point per game but he ended the season like well above that well above a point per game his shots like went up he was getting a ton of power play points like david Pasternak's really amazing for fantasy uh with all of the shots he takes and he's clearly shown to be a well above point per game player and i feel like last year if you take away that like slowish start his 88 point pace is actually not a fair representation and you know what he missed time to start the year so maybe he was working out some kinks anyway all that to say I think that's a steal where Yahoo has him. I don't know why Yahoo would have like a Chris Kreider. Well, I guess I know why, but like I would disagree anyways. And if you're in a Yahoo draft, I think that if you can wait and get Pasternak like at the end of the second round, start of the third round, like Yahoo says you should be able to, I think you're laughing. Yeah, you are You are laughing to get a top round talent, you know, depending on how many people in, are in your league at the end of the second or third round. Pasternak had a rough 
a rough time. And there were personal reasons behind that that we've since learned about. And I don't hold any of it against him, really. Like, this is a guy who we were grouping in that group at one that we, you know, consider that that unquestionable top four of McDavid, Matthews, Dreisaitl, McKinnon. Pasternak was in that group with Kucherov, uh, like and equals in the la- within the last few years. So for this guy to be falling as late as he is 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 an amazing gift. And even in the cupful where he is going towards the end of the first round, I wouldn't necessarily take him above any of the guys. Like I think it's reasonable for his ADP, his average draft position. For anyone, I don't know if we explain the acronym. Um, it's reasonable for him to be going exactly where he is. But all those memories of those two back to back hundred plus point pace seasons. They're still possible. They're still very possible. And I'm not um I'm not at all down on Pasternak going forward. I think he can get back up there. He's just entering his age 26 season. He's got plenty of more hockey to give. Like you said, Elon, huge chemistry with Taylor Hall down the stretch last year, and it looks like that will continue, plus power play success. I'm interested. Like the one the one reason that maybe I'll be like, hmm, about David Pasternak is without Marshawn and McAvoy to start the year. I'm not exactly sure how that top power play in Boston fares, if they can click as successfully as they have in the past. But David Pasternak's the kind of player where you don't even have to worry about that sort of thing. That's how much faith I have in him. He's good enough to do what he does with whoever else is is around. I think he's a legit one of the top goal scorers in the league, and you should be targeting him in the first round. If you can get him at the end of the first round, even if that's about where he should go, that's a really happy start to your fantasy team because you're getting somebody who I think can hang with any of the picks that are coming, you know, fifth or sixth onwards, and you're getting it in the back half of the first round. And if you're snaking, you just go ahead and get another pick right away. Yeah, so I definitely like Pasternak. I think that Yahoo has this wrong. Uh, yeah, what you said, Brian, the big concern, I guess, the missing Bruins. That's what Andy's also saying here in the chat. Uh, so we'll have to see, but he's going to get to play with Krejci at center. Uh, and also with Taylor Hall. So I think that this could still be a decent situation. I think that even though they'll be missing Marshawn and McAvoy, like, I don't know what they're going to do with defense. Maybe we're looking at a Hampus Lindholm, uh, PP1 quarterback. And I think I've mentioned on a previous show, he might be a really good guy to draft late in your fantasy leagues, you know, just to hang on to him until McAvoy comes back if he's able to hold that spot. But yeah, I think that uh, it's, it could still be a good power play. You still got Bergeron, who's such an amazing player. And then yeah, you've got Taylor Hall and Krejci and DeBrusque and guys who maybe will be able to step up with this opportunity of an increased role while we wait for Marshawn to return. All right, so Brian, we're at uh, the end of round two of Kukupful drafts, according to the Yahoo rankings. Because Pasternak, like I said, is ranked 28th. We have 14-person per league. We've mentioned that the Kukupful drafts have been long underway, and we've been drafting not on Yahoo, but over on Fantrax. And this episode is sponsored in part by Fantrax, who are really good friends of the show. And one of the main reasons we've been doing these Kukupful drafts on Fantrax is they have so much functionality that Yahoo doesn't have, including the slow draft, right? It's so amazing that we could have participants from all around the world we didn't have to you know try to arrange a time that works for everyone to sit down and draft we just have super long pick times and then people can draft at their leisure goes for a couple weeks it's been a blast and i think if you've never done a slow draft i think you should definitely try moving your league over to fan tracks and giving it a try i guess there is a lot of fun of doing a live draft if you could actually get people together but you know just the fact that you get to draft for like a week well and it goes nice and slowly gives you something to think about because the drafting is so fun right so sometimes it's nice to 
kind of like let that go on for a while and you could really like savor it. And that's just one of the cool features over on fan tracks, right? Like another feature we're using for a couple is we decided to do this third round reversal, which is this idea where in a snake draft, the third round, we're going back to the same order as the second round again. So we wanted to not give such a big advantage to the person who has first overall to then also get the first pick in the third round. So that was like just like cool to have that flexibility and customizability. And Fantrax gives it all. Like I could go on with so many things that Fantrax lets you do. Like you know how in some platforms you have to wait until 3 a.m. for players to unlock if they've played in day before you can like drop them. Like like Fantrax, that's totally customizable, right? You can set that to be 12 p.m. You can set it to be however you want it. Also on Fantrax, it's nice that you could even drop a player that's played that day and just the drop takes effect the next day, which I feel like makes total sense. I don't know why every platform doesn't do that. Uh, you can set like all these cool categories to use in my Dynasty League, which we run on Fantrax. They've got like, we, we use giveaway, takeaway percentage. We use even strength save percentage as a goalie category. So you don't have to get so frustrated if your goal is just getting shelled on the power play because sometimes it's just bad luck. This, this team happened to go shorthanded a bunch of times and now your goalie is getting hurt. So it's like all this stuff. It's really fun and we're really excited to be able to say that we're presented by Fantrax here and I definitely think if you've never used it, you should check it out. Try your league over on Fantrax. I feel like you won't be disappointed. You definitely won't be disappointed going to Fantrax. Head to Fantrax.com slash keeping to sign up today. Uh, And by the way, uh, you can win an official NHL signed Nikita Kucherov jersey too if that if all that wasn't enough reason to switch on over to fan tracks and check out their features there's one more assigned official nhl nikita kucherov jersey uh, again head over to fantrax.com slash keeping we'll put a link in the show notes and uh trust us once you go and run a league they're also like the draft ui very pretty if it's been a year or two since you've tried out fantrax Now's the time to check it out again, Fantrax.com slash keeping to sign up today for your league and be entered to win an official NHL signed Nikita Kucherov jersey. All right, so Brian, back to the Yahoo rankings here as we barrel through. And so far, like I, I, I'm going to admit, it's not so bad for the top 20. Like I think Pasternak was a little bit too low. I did want to ask you about a couple Hurricanes. Not that I, like, I necessarily disagree, but I just wanted to kind of get your take on like Sebastian Ajo being ranked 27 right before Pasternak, and then Svechnikov getting ranked at 35, which is right before guys like Debrinkit, Jack Eichel, Mark Stone, Patrick Kane, like some really good forwards. Aho and like I don't know Aho I feel like you've started to give him the Tarasenko treatment that you used to give where you just kind yeah. of felt like you you think that Aho's a good player but you don't think he'll ever be more than like a 70 to 75 point guy and I guess if we no. look at what oh no, no am I'm I gonna, not representing you correctly I'm gonna no you're not I like I have said that I, I think he's gonna offer you the same consistency as Vladimir Tarasenko was as a 75-point player, but he's going to do it at a point-per-game pace, not at a 75-point pace. So this is a guy who you can set your watch to uh, to get you point-per-game pace, steady production through the year. But And I don't think it's a talent thing either, by the way, with Aho. I think it's a systems thing. He is an exceptionally skilled NHL player. I love everything he does and the way he does it. The only thing is Aho plays on Carolina, who spreads the wealth quite regularly through their forwards. Like you might look at Ajo's ice time and say, well, he's playing 19 minutes a night. That sounds like top line bona fide ice time. But if you take into account that he sees over 30% of his team's short handed minutes, uh, that's 
bumping up those time on ice numbers. And his five on five time on ice numbers are are lower than a lot of top line centermen and wingers around the league. So that's why I, I have all the belief and faith in Sebastian Ajo to do what he does. But I think there is some kind of ceiling because of just the way Carolina distributes their minutes. Of course, every year, anyone can go off on some kind of bender and score a little more. But Ajo, over his career, is already a 15% shooter. He's actually shot, on average, 17% over the last three seasons, which is phenomenal. That's incredible shooting. One of the deadliest shooters in the league. I don't know how much higher you can go on a shooting percentage bender if you're already shooting that high on a regular basis. Okay, so you're saying he's been between an 80 and 84 point guy in each of the last four seasons in terms of pace. You don't see him, unless something goes really wonky, you don't see him having that like next level of becoming a 100 plus point guy. So, all right, yeah, fair but I, I, I will say I think it's more likely that he exceeds that number than falls short of it for what that's worth. Like, I think you can really count on those 80 to 82 points uh, as the season goes. And if you can get gravy on that, it's possible. But I, I would be drafting in that spot uh, players who have upside or more certain upside for 90 or even 100 points like a David Pasternak. Yeah, or maybe a Jake Gensel who's over or maybe uh, Brady Kachuk is soon after who is maybe not going to have that high points upside, but all those amazing peripherals depending on your format. So then you go a few picks down. We get to Andrei Svechnikov, who, like I said, ahead of some really big hitters, still guys that I think have 90 point upside like Jack Eichel, you know, like uh, Patrick Kane, uh, who, you know, we've talked for about Kane maybe being someone that we have to expect to regress because of what's going on in Chicago. Uh, Svechnikov is so interesting because he's only 22 years old. He's had a nice start to his career, but I don't think he's like taken that step that like a th- people thought, like I think by this point, people thought we were going to be talking about like a 90 point, like 40 goal guy, you know? And last year he started going in that direction, right? He had 20 points in his first 20 games, then 16 points in his next 16. So he was like halfway through the season. He was a point per game guy. And I guess he just kind of tailed off a little bit in the second half of the year. He wound him up with only 69 points in 78 games overall. So it's only a 73 point pace, which I think would be a disappointment. I think if you pick him here as the 27th ranked forward, like Yahoo has him, I think you would be wanting more than a 73 point pace. So I'm curious, Brian, he's so young though. Like I can't fault anyone for picking him here just because I feel like that upside is so high, but do you see anything like his underlying numbers to indicate that maybe that next step is coming or is this more like an Aho situation where you're like, what we saw last year is probably what we can continue to expect moving forward. Yeah, Ilan, I think Svechnikov is a similar guy. Although if I had to pick one of the two between Svechnikov and Aho to really bust out of what they've done so far, I would say Svechnikov just because he's younger. And, and Aho's not an old guy. He's entering his age 25 season. So it's not like his growth is for sure done. But Svechnikov is entering his age 22 season, which means he's entering his prime according to the latest aging curves we've seen for forwards. And I think that means that there could be a gear we haven't seen yet from Andrei Svechnikov, which would give us some more points. But one thing it wouldn't give us is more ice time. I really am not sure uh, if there's a way for Svechnikov to be able to get more than the, I don't know, 13 and a half minutes he's been seeing this season and last. And remember, he bounces around lines a little bit. But I think that's where he might be able to do more damage is when he's not playing on the top line with Sebastian Ajo. Maybe he can do a little more of the work himself. This year, actually, he's going to be seeing a lot of new stuff because last year he played the majority of his minutes being centered by Vincent Trocek. This year, 
it's going to be, I don't know, we'll see where Martin Natchez slots in. Uh, we'll see where Seth Jarvis slots in. We'll see where Paul Stasny slots in. Who Jordan Stahl, like there's a lot of possible line combos now that Svechnikov's number one center from last season, Trocek, is out of the picture. And I don't know if that will be for better or for worse, but I think the fact that Svechnikov is now a year older, year more mature, has already four seasons in the NHL under his belt, I think there's definitely room for Svechnikov to at least become the point-per-game player that Sebastian Ajo is. And if somebody's going to vault into, like, superstardom, I could see Svechnikov being the guy over Ajo. So, again, you're picking a guy who has this kind of artificial ceiling placed on him because of the way minutes are distributed in Carolina. But I would uh, I would tab him as having the more explosive upside than Ajo, but also the, the lower downside. So I think it makes sense that he goes a little later than Ajo, but not too much later. Yeah, I don't know. I think that at this ranking, I'm not going to take Svechnikov just because I'm wimpy. And this is like, again, a JT Miller from last year. I was a little nervous about the situation. And in the end, M- Miller like exploded. Svechnikov, again, I'm going to, Brian, permission to once again share. Li- I'm just going to share these line combinations. We don't have to keep repeating the caveat, right? I'm just saying that like, don't read into this, but still it's just something to be aware of. I don't know. Like, I don't want to give people the wrong impression, but I think it's worthwhile just giving the information since we have it. But Shane is saying here in the chat that he thinks Jarvis's role is going to grow and Svechnikov's won't and you you know if you look at the recent line combinations from camp I'm seeing that Chip Alexander tweeted a couple days ago by the way I'm going to gamedaytweets.com to get this uh, you know, Aho was playing with Tara Vinen and Jarvis and then Svechnikov was playing on a line with Kotkaniemi centering and Natchez on the wing which is obviously a bit of a downgrade and also again this is like I doubt this will happen but uh, we have a tweet here from a few days ago of when they were running their initial power play groups and Svechnikov wasn't on the top power play it was aho jarvis tara vinen kasha and brent burns how likely can that be but anyways all that to say that it's not as guaranteed like like again when we're going back to these rankings here after andre svechnikov you've got we've got to brink and we've talked about a lot and maybe he's also in a similar situation where we don't we know what his even strength line will be but we don't know def- necessarily what his power play will be but then we've got guys like eichel stone like who who might not be healthy but patrick kane like uh you know so just like maybe guys who are a little bit more guaranteed to get that like primo deployment as the team's top star and i don't like being nervous about that with like a second round pick i guess if we're going into the third round then at that point maybe you can make that choice like if, if you like i'll probably take a jack eichel over svechnikov and maybe he does fit around here once we get past that next group of forwards him versus patrick kane is interesting i think i'd still probably take kane uh okay so now going down the list everything looks pretty reasonable nothing too crazy until i get to the 49th ranked player and i see claude Giroux getting slotted in yahoo must love claude Giroux, another senator like debrinket who's also i said pretty high up there and Giroux's coming ahead in terms of forwards of tarasenko Malkin, Philip Forsberg, Nikolai Ehlers, and like, I don't know, even like last year, like even when he was in his comfortable situation in Philly, I don't think he was worthy of a rank like this for a long time now. Like there was that season, like feels like ages ago when he had like a hundred points, but like that's already long ago. He's, he's older. Now he's not like the premier person on his team, kind of like a Svechnikov. Like I'm not confident that he's necessarily going to be able to hold like a top power play spot. So I don't know. I think Yahoo blew this one. I like Giroux as someone to draft eventually, according to Scott Cullen's uh, projections for the couple scoring, he'd have Giroux as the 75th ranked forward and Yahoo has him as the 36th ranked forward. So a huge disparity there. This is definitely a head scratcher for why Yahoo would rank Claude Giroux. I think even amongst like Ottawa Senators, if I'm reading these right, Claude Giroux ranks second behind only Alex Debrinkit 
And I don't think there's a whole lot of people out there thinking that Giroud is going to score more than Stutzle or Kachuk or Norris this season. So, I mean, it's it's like Yahoo is is also very excited about the Sens. And it's actually really surprising that they put Giroud there because Yahoo is very, like one bias we're already seeing with where Miller was and where Pasternak was. Yahoo in their rankings is very much like, what have you done for me lately? Right? It's very, and Kreider too putting a lot of weight on what's most recently happened, including injuries. Like if a guy's injured, he really loses a lot of ground in their default rankings. But having Giroux all the way up here tells me that he is going to be one of the most auto-drafted players uh, in leagues. You know, if you have a robot drafting for you, you're going to end up with Claude Giroux because there's too many great forwards ranked below him that live human beings are going to be taken during your draft. Yeah, I'm like going down this list here. I already said some. Forsberg, okay. Kadri, I guess, is arguable because I know on Calgary things could go badly. Uh, That's maybe an interesting comparison. These players on new teams are always the trickiest, right? But then we have Tavares, Fiala, also on a new team. Uh, Then I'm I'm skipping the goalies in D here. Sam Reinhardt, Josh Norris, Buchnevich, Nylander, Bergeron. Like, I take, I think all these guys over Giroux. And I like Giroux. I think it was a great uh, acquisition by other Sens. But yeah, I'm not going to take him that high in my fantasy league. That's for sure. If someone else wants to take that swing, go for it. But obviously, if, if Giroux falls, I like him. I think he's a talented player. Uh, okay, Brian, next up, like, obviously, we're starting this show being like wet blankets, right? Because we're going down the Yahoo list. So at some point, we're going to like flip a switch. You know, I guess we already did it with Pasternak. But eventually, we're going to get to only talking about guys who we think are too low, which is probably more fun. because It's more like the sleepers. Uh, but we are still right now talking about guys who are maybe ranked too high. Uh, right after Claude Giroux, Quinn Hughes gets ranked at 50, the eighth ranked D. Again, it's like, we've said this to death, like Ben and Lewis said this on a recent show. Like, I just feel like if your league is points only, then yeah, have Quinn Hughes as the eighth ranked D. But if you count peripherals, if you're like the Kakupful with Scott Cullen's projections, uh, he gets ranked 25th of defensemen in Kakupful and Yahoo has him as the eighth. So this is not something where I don't think we're saying anything that interesting because I think we both agree that Quinn Hughes is going to have another great year, probably be like a 70-ish point defenseman, which is very rare and hard to find. But just you really need to know your league settings. And if your league counts shots and hits and blocks and all of that, then he's not helping you pretty much anywhere. But like assists and power play points is where you're getting your bread and butter from Hughes and not anywhere else pretty much. Agreed. Points only. Lots of value for a guy like Quinn Hughes playing uh, at defense, producing like really forward-like numbers or capable of it, especially if you're getting bonuses for power play points. But any league where you are, uh, like Elon, I'm basically just parroting what you said. Anything where you need something beyond points, bump Quinn Hughes down your draft list. Like I'd rather take a defenseman who's going to get 10 fewer points than Quinn Hughes, but put up 50 more shots or 75 more blocks or be able to contribute a lot more in peripherals. So make sure you're weighting these players according to your specific league's categories. I think Yahoo has like X rank for that as a, as a way to help, but I'm still not sure that always gets it right either. So Quinn Hughes is a guy to be aware of because he's really exciting. He's super talented. It's fun to get Quinn Hughes on your team, but not if you're counting on anything more than points. All right, next up. So yeah, after Hughes, Tarasenko, Malkin, I like them there. I think Malkin and Tarasenko could both be great value down as the 37th and 38th forwards. Obviously, you're hoping for Malkin to be healthy. Uh, Then uh, Kuznetsov comes next, still ahead of Forsberg, Kadri Ehlers. Like these guys, I was just saying that I was also surprised they were ahead of Giroud. And Kuznetsov is someone who... 
like Scott Cullen likes, right? He's got him projected for 79 points, I'm seeing, as a pace. But yet still, that only has him as the 58th ranked forward, just because I guess uh, he doesn't contribute also, like a Quinn Hughes that much in some other peripheral categories. So yeah, Kuznetsov, I guess, yeah, not much to say here. I don't see why he can't put up another near point per game season, but I still think you're going to want a guy, at least in a league like ours, that, you know, takes more shots, like a Philip Forsberg next. Like, for sure you're taking Forsberg over Kuznetsov, right? And that doesn't even take into account the fact that Kuznetsov is center only. Forsberg is giving you left wing, and I think some other guys here are giving you even left wing, right wing, like when we get to, like, an Ehlers. So, yeah, I think, uh, again, Yahoo, maybe, maybe I shouldn't, like, judge this one too harshly because maybe they're just thinking more about points only, which I guess makes sense. But Kuznetsov, I don't know, he's not someone I would be reaching for i was very happy when i got him for two dollars in the auction last year i don't think that's going to happen again unfortunately this is this is the first time you're bringing up evgeny kuznetsov as someone who may not be worth it and this this is what it took uh and i agree kuznetsov here is ranked about 55 spots higher in raw rank compared to where his cupful adp is at and uh yeah that that's pretty rich for a center only guy especially when you might already have a couple center only guys right uh, like already in the first two or three rounds. I know I did in my own cupful draft. I had McKinnon and Crosby in my first two picks. And so I would not be adding Kuznetsov, although I did add Malkin, who's ranked right near him in Yahoo. But that was at a later round where I just couldn't resist anymore. Uh, and I think position eligibility is something to really consider here too, which doesn't seem to be something Yahoo has taken so much into account. But Elon, I will at least just call back to Svechnikov and maybe one of the reasons he's where he's at is because he has that dual wing eligibility, which is pretty rare among some of the top end players. And it's nice to give yourself that flexibility with a top three round pick if you're able to. So like that juices Svechnikov's value a little bit, but alternately it should dry out. Kuznetsov's value as a center only player. Like you said, points only. Great. Otherwise, uh, not so great here. I would rather have one of those wingers like Forsberg and Ehlers as well. Okay, so next up, the next head scratcher here to me. Let's get to our first goalie that we're going to talk about here. So we did a whole episode a few weeks back, Schmore Goalies Board, where we tiered our goalies. We're going to do a quick update before the season starts with any changes based on what we've seen in training camp. Uh, but yeah, so Yahoo starts it off pretty reasonably. Like, I'm not going to argue too much. You could obviously go see our goalie tiers, keepingcarlson.com slash goalies, and you could see where we differ in terms of the actual tiers. But yeah, they're far, their first 10... I can't argue, right? Vasilevsky, Shostyorkin, Sorokin, Markstrom, Saros, Ottinger, Anderson, Marc-Andre Fleury. I know Brian... Well, yeah, like Marc-Andre Fleury, maybe you could argue is a little too high, but, you know, he's in a good situation and he, he could be good for sure. Demko, I'd have him a little higher. Bobrovsky, you could argue, but, uh, you know, 10th overall. Like, he definitely could be the 10th best goalie. I wouldn't be so surprised. Then at 11, they throw in Spencer Knight. And they had Bobrovsky at 10, which makes me think, like, if you have Bobrovsky as a top 10 goalie in fantasy, how could Spencer Knight be number 11? Like, it just it doesn't make sense. Like, like what are the, the settings where that could ever be the case? And then after Spencer Knight, you've got guys still like Jari, like Kemper, Connor Hellebuck, who we'll get to. Like, I mean... I don't know. It doesn't make sense to me. So, like, pick a lane. Either you think that Bobrovsky and Spencer Knight are going to be a tandem and then have them both lower. Like, either way, probably have Spencer Knight lower unless you think he... Like, fine. If you had Spencer Knight at 11 and Bobrovsky at, like, 20 for goalies or 25, I disagree. But at least that would make logical sense. But I just don't don't understand, Brian. (laughs) What are they doing here? How are they 10th and 11th on the same team? Yahoo is calling their shot. They're saying there's going to be a straight up workhorse number one in Florida who's going to be really valuable. 
And we just don't know who it's going to be, which I think is ridiculous, right? I, I think we all saw Spencer Knight not quite show he's ready to take the mantle. And meanwhile, Sergei Bobrovsky had an incredible season. If you want more thoughts on Sergei Bobrovsky, go ahead and listen to our Schmorkoldies board episode a few weeks back. Uh, and I think that's the bottom line to me. I, like, there's no other reason. Like, there's no reason why Spencer Knight. He'll be on a lot of teams with Claude Giroux in Yahoo Leagues this season if they don't fix this um, before <laughs> before then. I've seen no reason to doubt. Like, I've been watching what's going on in Florida because uh, where I'm drafting goalies in the leagues I'm drafting for so far, I am draft- drafting around the the Bob tier. If you want to see our goalie tiers, you can go to our fantasy hockey tools, kickupful.com. Um, but that's that's still where I'm at. Bob is going to be the starter unless he really falters. That's one step that would need to happen. The Knight would need to step in and show that he's really ready to go, which is hard for a young goalie as much as we all believe in Knight as someone who might be a top-notch goalie of the future. It takes time to get to the future, and he hasn't yet shown he's ready. So good catch, Elon. Don't draft Spencer Knight. Yeah, not where, at, where where Yahoo is saying to draft him. Yeah, I mean, I probably won't draft him at all in Cupful because we're Likewise. expecting Bobrovsky to be the starter. Uh, yeah, then I get kind of whiplash as I go through like their goalies ranked twelfth through sixteenth. It's like you're too high, you're too low, you're too high, you're too low. I can't keep track. Okay, so like after night we have Tristan Jari, who I think should be higher, at least higher than Spencer Knight. Probably I'd have him higher than Flurry. Like you could look at our goalie tiers. We had him in tier three. Then they have Jeremy Swayman who at least this is consistent, right? Because they have Swayman at 13th ranked, and then they have Linus Allmark all the way at 34th ranked, which I disagree with. I think that Boston is probably going to play them pretty evenly. I, like They're paying Allmark a lot of money not to be the 35th ranked goalie in, in fantasy or the 34th. Uh, so I disagree with Swayman here, but I at least commend them for not pulling a Bobrovsky night and just putting them beside each other. So, you know, I guess I have low expectations so that I, I'm impressed with. Uh, but yeah, I'd have Swayman a lot lower. Then they have Darcy Cam- Camper, who I think belongs here. I think he's like a good, solid starter. 14th goalie makes sense to me. Then Connor Hellebuck at 15. Man, things have changed, right? This is a guy who won the Vesna recently. Even with a subpar last couple of seasons, he was still a top-ranked goalie in a lot of fantasy leagues just because he played so, so many games. Is this Yahoo saying that... Like, this is, there's either two things they're saying here. Either they think that even his 9-10 save percentage is something he still won't be able to maintain. I guess it could be that they're in a categories league where they only count wins, save percentage, and goals against average or something and not saves. In that case, yeah, I could understand having Hellebuck that far down. But in a league like the Cupful, just that volume is good. Hopefully he could be better than the 9-10 save percentage he had last year. And I also don't expect David Riddick to eat into a lot of these games played. I feel like it would have been good for Winnipeg to finally get a backup who they can rely on to play some games and not be worried that that's like almost a guaranteed loss but they definitely like i would have rather just they suck with eric Comrie, right he was decent last year david riddick hasn't been good for a long time so yeah i mean i'll be very happy if i could get connor hellebuck as the 15th ranked goalie and i'm not even a huge fan of his like i think it's very possible he just repeats what he did last year but still that's amazing value in most formats for sure. I I don't know if Yahoo's really low on him because of last year's save percentage, which wasn't great. It was 9-10. And maybe, you know, the default Yahoo League setting involves goals against average, which I'm not expecting Winnipeg to be terribly great at this year. They have a very weak defense. They're going to, and, and generally also Yahoo doesn't reward volume in their default league setting. So maybe that's why Halibut's all the way down because there's going to be not a lot of wins, a lot of goals against, even though his save percentage could 
could hold up just fine. Uh, like he could stop, you know, 37 of 40 each night, but that's still a goals against average of three, which is uh, below average uh, for what you'd be looking for for a goalie. So that's my best guess of why Hellebuck's down there. But that is great value to be found if you have somebody else following the Yahoo list on goalies. But Elon, on top of that, though, I'm going to say don't get too cute when you're drafting. Like you and I put Connor Hellebuck quite confidently in our second tier of goalies alongside Saros, Demko, and Markstrom. If those goalies are gone, then you can go ahead and draft Connor Hellebuck. Don't wait for Bobrovsky or Spencer Knight to to go off the board before you draft Hellebuck. Like, there is something to be said for picking the right player at the right time and reading the room and knowing, okay, I can let this player fall to my next pick. But there also is something to be said for just saying, hey, this guy is clearly the best player available on my board. I'm not going to play games. I'm not going to risk it because you'll be kicking yourself if you lose him and you had the chance to get him. So go ahead, get that best player. Don't worry too much about if you're getting him a little earlier than you need to. Just go ahead and get the best player and you're not going to have the same regret you would as if you let him go. And I speak from experience. I have tried to get cute before. I don't think it's ever really worked in my favor. Yeah, that makes sense. Uh, like, there, uh, it only takes one person, right, to uh, think the way you're thinking, and then you lose out on the guy that you think should go there. So keep that in mind. But still useful to have these rankings in mind and know that, hey, maybe you can wait a little bit. Maybe it just means that if you grab a forward later, maybe you have a better chance of getting a Hellebuck type a little later. But hopefully you have other guys that you're willing to accept getting in that spot if it turns out that he does get snagged. So after Hellebuck, we have Jonathan Quick, who it's like, what year is this? But at the same time, I don't know. Like, I guess he's probably, I hate to believe it as someone who has Cal Peterson in my dynasty league and turned down many offers for him over the years, but probably quick as the starter for next year. I know, Brian, you've said that you think at some point Cal Peterson takes over. But I don't know. For what it's worth right now, the Sharks and the Kings are playing a preseason game and Jonathan Quick played the, the first half and he did well. He stopped uh, 17 of 18. And by but the way, who played the second half? Uh, looks like, well, the game's not over yet, but M. Villata is playing the yeah. second half and he's not doing as well. My favorite like training qu- my preseason tweet so far that like I'm seeing come flying especially tonight as the preseason essentially opens is uh, Elvis Merzlikens played half the game stopped 20 out of 20 as scheduled he leaves the net for I think Jet Graves comes in so mm-hmm. it's like the possible starter playing the set amount of time same thing flurry stopped 12 of 12 and 31 and a half minutes of play now he's off i really like these uh it's like pitch counts but in hockey they're playing 30 minutes and then you're done i hope you had a good night and then in comes some some actually it was jesper wallstead in minnesota so well, it's fun, fun to see yeah it's fun to see guys in new jerseys uh, i don't know if it means anything though it definitely just doesn't mean to... they just need to see well, all these no, goalies I, they don't have I enough know, time but, well no now i'm starting to think i'm like okay well i've seen um, that Marc-Andre Fleury, sure starter, got the net. I see that Elvis Merzlikens got the net. And now I see Jonathan Quick got the net. So is, does he join that? Uh, this is this is thinking too hard. Yeah, Brian, I, what, I was saying, what I was saying about Jonathan Quick wasn't like, I'm, I think he's the starter now because he got this game against the Sharks in preseason. I'm just saying that it seems like all the, you know, on Twitter yeah. looks like Quick is the starter. Yeah, I, I, yeah. yeah. I'm liking these tweets is all I'm saying. Yeah, sure. we're, not, we're not reading too deeply into them. Yeah, for sure. No, I mean, they're not even, these tweets are just saying what's happening, which is that these goalies <laughs> are, I don't really get what you're saying, but I'll just go with it. Uh, by the way, speaking of reading too much into things, uh, not only did Jonathan Quick play well, but that uh, goal that he let in 
was scored by Luke Coonan, assisted by Tomas Hurdle and Timo Meyer. And I checked, that's been the top line that the Sharks have been rolling out there. So uh, Luke Coonan as, is someone, you know, I'm not saying now guaranteed good, but that's another guy. Now I've like sort of flagged and I'm going to keep an eye out for him to see if he ends up, because like that's not a guaranteed spot, right? Who was there? Like Barabanov, like a few people got a chance there to play with Hurdle and Meyer. So that's a, a sweet spot to play. And if Luke Coonan, newly acquired, ends up holding that spot, you know, that's the kind of guy I like to take a swing on in the last round of my fantasy drafts. Uh, Yahoo has him ranked 479. So definitely he should be available to you at the end of your drafts. By the way, a little bit higher than Luke Coonan, if I could jump around here. Phil Kessel at 455. Uh, that's also kind of wild, considering he's also getting top deployment so far in training camp. But anyways, I was talking about Jonathan Quick. I was going to add yeah. something about Luke Coonan before, before you go back. Sure. Uh, Luke Coonan plays for San Jose. Yeah. San Jose starts the season with a couple quick games. So another reason to go with your uh, like last pick Luke Coonan, I'm just saying, or whoever you think is going to be the third wheel on that San Jose top line. And this was Dave's uh, advice in our discord server today. Dave Benton of the stream scheme uh, also on our feed is that uh, you can get a couple quick early games without spending a move. If you draft uh, a shark or predator with your very last pick of the draft yeah so maybe luke coonan is that guy a good 18th round pick if you want to take a swing there uh okay it was i was back to but by the way all i'm saying in the end is that i think jonathan quick is too high right i don't think that he even if he is the king starter i'd still rather have like after him we've got cam talbot who i'm not sure what the sends are going to do so i'd probably put him down but then jack campbell who's at least a sure starter on edmonton uh they're, they're all over the co- georgiev who i guess we can't argue with comes next logan thompson which is like a big swing by Yacht who considering that it's very possible he starts the season. I guess he won't start the season in the minors since they've already announced that Brossois is going to uh, miss some time to start, but it's possible that's just Brossois and Aiden Hill once Brossois is healthy and, and Logan Thompson is in the minors. So I like Thompson as a guy to get late and hopefully he can like emerge as the starter, but that would be a big swing to take this early. Uh, like anyways, you go down with a bunch of like kind of goalies that I'm up iffy about. Vili Husso, Ilya Samsonov. Okay, Robin Leonard is there, <laughs> 24th rank. They probably should update that because uh, he's out for the season. Varlamov. Then, like, way down, we get Jordan Binnington. Down as a 27th-ranked goalie. That's pretty good, right? That's pretty good value. And then even further down, we get Carey Price at 28. Probably they should update that as well, because I don't think he's going to be playing. Ranta, Vanacek, Francis. Anyways, then you get John Gibson down as a 33rd goalie. So I feel like there's still, like, yeah, with Yahoo, you could always, like, kind of get some goalies that I think will be decent. I'm not saying Bennington and John Gibson are sure things, but we talked about the Mitchell Goalies board as guys who could potentially be really good value, especially if you get them late. Like, they're both starting goalies. Uh, Bennington on a really good team, Anaheim on a team with a ton of off days, which could be super valuable. So those are two goalies I wanted to point out. Then, Brian, I'll just finish the goalie talk here, and you could respond about all of them. Then we'll finish up part one of this episode here. But then you you go down, you get to like real like guys who aren't even going to be in the league. I'm seeing like as the 42nd goalie, uh, Spencer Martin. I guess he'll be a backup probably. Dan Vladars or Zach Fukali in Washington. I don't believe he's going to be making the team. Louis Demang. Anyways, you keep going. All of a sudden, we get to Kapokokkanen. Down as the 56th goalie. I feel like that's a guy who theoretically could take the job from Reimer in San Jose. They'll probably start the year 50-50 is my my guess. But I could definitely see Kokkinen emerging. Maybe even they trade Reimer if the season's not going well since he's a pending UFA. Then you go way, way down. Check this out, Brian. 130th ranked goalie is Matt Murray... But apparently not the Matt Murray that's going to Toronto. There's a Dallas Matt Uh-oh. Murray. And then if you go down to uh, a lot further, 
I don't even know. Do you know about this Dallas Matt Murray? Because there's another Matt Murray, the actual Matt Murray in Toronto is down at 475. So the Dallas Matt Murray is ranked higher than the Toronto Matt Murray, according to the Yahoo rankings. All right. Uh, Dallas Matt Murray. I'm over at EliteProspects.com. He's playing with the Texas Stars. Uh, and I'm just 24 years old. I am looking for any kind of real info from him. He went to the University of Massachusetts. Yeah, there's really not uh, not a whole lot going on here. Don't draft Texas Matt Murray. Although with the Texas Stars last year, he did have a 947 save percentage in six games, uh, which was basically his pro debut after leaving a, a pretty successful NCAA career. But no, I'm not about to say uh, go ahead and draft Texas Matt Murray ahead of real Matt Murray. I think it's fair to call Matt Murray on Toronto real Matt Murray. I think so. Yeah. yeah. And, and by the way, real Matt Murray would be really good value where he's listed, right? As the 193rd goalie, he's likely going to the season as the starter. So uh, there's question marks, but I think I like him better than his 475th overall rank. Now check this out. Way down. This is the steal of the draft. If you could uh, get him in the last round or whatever. Elvis Merz-Lickens, 195th goalie. Elvis Merz. By the way, I'll mention also Petr Mrazek, another starter. That's at 186. Not that I'm super excited about him, but I should probably mention a starting goalie. We have so many no names, including the fake Matt Murray. Then we get to Elvis Merz-Lickens late. And then you go down. We still have a couple other starters. 201st ranked goalie, Jake Allen. 202nd ranked goalie, Philip Grubauer. And then uh, two more names, and then I'm done, okay? Mackenzie Blackwood is down at 207, who I think could be the starter on New Jersey. And then the very last goalie ranked is Carol Vemelka. The last goal, like every no-name goalie in the world, and then Carol Vemelka, the starter <laughs> in Arizona, is the last one. So that's that's some disrespect right there. That is like straight-up disrespect of, of Carol Vemelka. <laughs> that's basically saying he is negative value. Like you'd rather a goalie that didn't play then get Carol Vamelka. That's that's got to be like someone's inside joke at Yahoo, right? Although I I would say if your default rankings are wins, save percentage, and goals against, Carol Vamelka is pr- might be worse than having nobody in net. Sometimes, most of the time, I'm trying I'm trying to justify this. I can't, but I think Elon. My overall advice here is to go to kkupfl.com, look at our fantasy tools, go to our Schmore Goalies board page, and go and see our goalie tiers and draft with that. And a quick reminder, and go listen to our episode two. It's linked to from the Schmore Goalies board page. Um, Once, like, when when you're tiering goalies, you have a group of goalies that you might target, and as goalies from that tier are disappearing, you know when to draft. Try and draft the last one in a tier because we basically think they're all about equal. We have a whole bunch of tiers that need explanation. Listen to the episode for that. But that's, that's the moral of this story here. I actually, I throw out my draft sheet for goalies and I just look at our Schmore goalies board tier to try and, uh, to try and work, work out and strategize where I'm going to be drafting these guys. I will mention, uh, you mentioned Jordan Binnington, although like that's ancient history. Now you mentioned him at the top because Elvis Merzlikens was so much further down, but they are together in our Schmargoldies board tiers, and I like them both equally. Uh, Bennington is someone, Elon, in our group chat with Ben and Lewis of short shifts, uh, not getting as much love from the short shift side than the KK side. And uh, we, uh, I don't know, we are both heartened by what we saw from Bennington towards the end of last season 
and in the playoffs and the fact that St. Louis is com- clearly committed to the guy, right? They tossed out the the, the, com- the competing goalie and didn't even bring in any real backup support for Bennington they got either. Rice. Yeah. So I stand by my point. They didn't bring in any real backup support. They're basically saying, uh, Bennington, maybe you work best when you're not being pushed. And so we're going to put so much faith in that, that we have nobody to push you for starts. Maybe Grice turns out to be better now than he was in Detroit, but it's been a couple of years since we've seen Grice look decent. So I think Bennington would be a great get, especially if people around you are undervaluing him. And then also, Elon, you mentioned Cabo Kakinen and James Reimer. I was just reading earlier today uh, from The Athletic, uh, the San Jose Sharks, like training camp roster battles. And one of them was about who's going to be the goalie. And they like listed the favorite for each position. And for goalie, the favorite was none. There's no favorite. Uh, Cogan and Reimer are on, are on even ground. And the prediction in the article was that they're going to have a 50-50 split of the start. At least, like you're saying, until perhaps James Reimer gets dealt. Because I think the, the Sharks want to work with Cogan in long term. He also finished the season really strong. And Reimer, I'm surprised, is not already dealt I wonder if the Sharks will try and, I don't know if they can pump up his value or he'll just be James Reimer and be worthwhile. Honestly, I think the Sharks think that they're going to go for it. Like They I think they're think- competing this year. That's cute. <laughs> so we'll have to see how that goes. I mean, I hope it works for them. I do. But it's just yeah. it like uh, like Eric Carlson, I would love for him to like be on a cup competitive team. And I honestly think he's one of the reasons why they feel like they're competing. Um, but like they, they are barely out of the bottom five in how I project the NHL standings this year. So uh, I would steer clear of both of them if you're looking for wins and solid rate stats. Um, and and also, I don't think one of them is going to emerge as the starter. Neither one has shown the ability to play consistently well. So I would stay, uh, I'd stay away from both of them, really. Yeah, I mean, maybe if you're at your 400th pick, Maybe you can go for a Kakanen. But yeah, I agree with you otherwise. By the way, watch uh, someone clip out that clip of you saying that Bennington has no you know, backup support when halfway through the year, Joel Hofer comes up from the minors and like, uh, takes yeah. the job. That, that would be a big Legit point. Like, I'm very open to Joel Hofer doing something. But I don't think, I don't think the Blues are expecting it yeah, to happen this year. But we've seen how many blues goalies come out of nowhere in the last few years, Bennington himself included. So I, I, I'm not ruling anything out. All right. So we've gone through the goalies in the Yahoo ranks and a few forwards and defensemen near the top. So we're going to go way back up to start going through more forwards and defensemen. We're going to start getting into guys who we think are ranked uh, way too low. Uh, but Brian, I think we've been talking for a while. So let's take a quick break and we'll, ra- we'll wrap this up. Let's play some outro music, get that going. And then you and I will get back behind the mic for part two of this episode, which we'll record shortly. And if you're listening to this uh, the next day after we record it, it's probably already waiting for you in your podcast app. So thanks everyone so much for listening. We really appreciate it. Uh, make sure you're subscribed on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, wherever you get your podcasts. Make sure you get part two and all the other episodes, including our epic, uh, epic auction draft that we're going to do next week. So yeah, thanks again. And uh, we'll see you over in part two. Bye. Bye.